Podcasting from Astrolab Studios, this is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi fantasy and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended. This week, Galactica 1980, episodes three and four. Oh no, I got a story to report and a job that's not going to wait for me forever. Uh, Jamie, forever is merely a dimension of time. What's that supposed to mean? I read Troy's report. Your knowledge of Earth's history more than upset your inexperience as a warrior. Oh, I don't like the drift of this. Jamie, we must bring Xavier back. If he succeeded in doing what he tried to do in Germany in 1944, it would have altered the lives of two or three generations of people on Earth. Can you imagine what would happen if he tried to tamper with a country called America in the 1700s? Pre-revolution. Yes, the days of witchcraft, when people were burned at the stake for practicing black magic. He could change the United States from a democracy to who knows what. Yes. Is that where he's gone? The 18th century? I'm afraid so. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that explores little scenes science fiction television. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan, and this week we're joined by a guest. Welcome aboard, Steve. Thanks for having me, guys. Very excited to be here. Steve, uh, I have to thank you personally. You have coined a term for uh, fans when we eventually have some. Oh, yes. Uh, Steve uh, emailed me and said, I can't wait to be on and uh, talk to all the dragsters. <laughs> Great name. I love it. That's going to stick around, I think. Yeah. Well, there'll be people outside with signs, like just waving them, dragsters, dragsters. I, I think people with fans, they chant their own name, don't they? Yeah, I think that's how, that's <laughs> that's how, how it works, works right? <laughs> Are they cheering for themselves at that point? But yeah, 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 yeah. They're really happy that they they mobilized and mm. got outside the studio. I think you can get some good T-shirts out of that name. Uh, a lot of good swag. Swag is important. It's about time. You guys are episode twenty, twenty-five now. We at least need mugs, don't we? Just mugs. Yeah. So we like, well, like you know, like real, real radio time. Like we like, each have a mug while we're like when we, you pour the hot liquid in, our clothes like fade off. Well, no, I, I want one of the pens that does that. <laughs> gotten really intimate really quickly mm-hmm. it's very hot in the studio today so uh, the clothes are coming off slowly anyway <laughs> all right steve what's your background with sci-fi tv did you watch it a lot growing up do you watch it a lot now i can't say that i watched it a lot growing up big into cartoons so i guess there's a lot of science fiction there the x-files was probably my introduction to science fiction television which i definitely watched with my dad you know regularly on the sundays uh battlestar galactica specifically i was a latecomer it had already gone on you know and this of course is the remake of the second remake i guess uh after ba- uh, galactica 1980 so i came into that one the ron moore remake in the early 2000s yeah uh via my wife jane who you had on the podcast previous guest jane absolutely i think she was on two of your most popular episodes uh, sure yeah <laughs> i well, think well, that sounds what, right what, what did the dragsters say about that well there you go let the, let the dragsters vote on the poll for best episode <laughs> yeah so, uh, yeah, so I came into that, and uh, that kind of kicked off the science fiction television revolution for me. So it was Jane and I watching that. She, she by... pulled you into it. Absolutely. Star Trek, of course, everybody watched Star Trek, TNG first, and then after Galacta, via Ron Moore, we got into Deep Space Nine and watched that. So, yeah, now I'm, I'm big into it. I love sci-fi. I always have. So That's great. And you mentioned a little bit, I guess 
you knew the remake of Battlestar Galactica, but you really didn't know anything about the original or even this Galactica 1980 before today. No, I'd never seen any of the original episodes, although I knew it existed. I, I, you know, I could pull a Cylon out of a lineup. And then Galactica 1980, never knew that it existed until these wonderful episodes were thrust upon me. <laughs> Are you asked to pull a lot of Cylons out of lineups? Uh, yes, yeah. A lot of Cylon crime in Toronto. Well, they're always getting the blame. <laughs> you know, it's very it, easy to spot a toaster compared. Well, to it's many always of the easy. There's ones. so much crime in the Cylon neighborhoods. You know, mm. it's not really their fault. They've got those shifty red eyes too. Right? <laughs> you know, they literally they are do, shifty. Yeah, literally back and forth. Well, that was intended, gentlemen. It was a good. Well, it was a good one. We loved it, uh, Jordan. I think you did a little a little piece for us on the creator of Battlestar Galactica and Galactica 1980. So the creator of the show, his name is Glenn A. Larson. In my head, I been keep calling him Gary Larson, who created the Far Side. It's not the same guy. Um, but I don't know if anyone else made the mistake. It's probably just me. But anyways, Glenn A. Larson. So he's been super, super prolific, this writer. Say what you will about uh, Galactica 1980, which I'm sure we will. He has had so many shows. His first, obviously, really big one was Battlestar Galactica and then 1980. He also made Knight Rider, The Fall Guy, Magnum P.I., Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, also Manimal and Nightman. Um, he created all those shows. He also made a bunch of weird things you've probably never heard of, like which at least I didn't. The Sword of Justice, Conquest of the Earth, Trauma Center. I like that one. And a little show called Masquerade, which was starring Greg Evigan. Oh, from Tech War. And not only that, Greg. he also made BJ and the Bear, also starring Greg Evigan. Oh, man. He had yeah. a big thing for Jake Cardigan. Jake oh. Cardigan was from Tech War. Okay. Starring Greg. So that's the first time I think we've had something linked like that. I haven't done a lot of reading about him, but I had sort of poked around. And I'm currently actually reading, or I just finished reading, I guess, the uh, oral history of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, so say we all. They talk a bit about him in there, and he's obviously interviewed yeah. too. But he's so prolific he did a lot of these things but he a lot of things he made i guess were uh pretty blatant ripoffs of other things mm, yeah. his his nickname apparently was glenn larceny <laughs> that was harlan ellison coined that for him oh did he That's, yeah yeah that was that was kind of his reputation is like he would come in see star wars and be like i can do that he'd see something else like i can do that which is a very funny reputation to have but he was very successful at it he like made so many TV shows a period of time where he was like the king of television. It's interesting because you know, when I was looking at when this show was made, it actually came out obviously in 1980, Magnum P.I. was the biggest show on television, right? So this guy was, he was the king of TV at that time, I assume. He was, I was going to say a big Mormon. He was Mormon, which apparently, now I don't know a ton about Mormonism or the Church of Latter-day Saints, but apparently people who know a lot about Mormonism really can see the beliefs in Battlestar Galactica. Hmm. Apparently about the amount of tribes and names of things and blah, blah, blah. But I didn't realize first when I was reading about him because I was like, he was married three times of nine kids. And I was like, oh, all right. He's he's Mormon. Right. They have a lot of kids is what I'm saying. Well, that's interesting because Luke said, so say we all. Was that the subtitle of the book or are that's you the just title saying of the that book. now? That's the title of the book. Oh, okay. All right. The, I was wondering if you thought you had to say that every time you said Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Isn't that the rule? You're, well, you're slowly converting if you are saying, so say we all all the time. Oh, and I'll mention a couple other things while we're just still talking about them. So the original Battlestar Galactica, the budget for that show was $1 million an episode in 1978 or 79, which is huge. But for Galactica, it was like a minor, minor fraction, which obviously you can tell the special effects are not good in the show. And as we'll probably talk about, they seem to be getting increasingly worse as the show goes on. Episode one and two, I'm like, eh, they're okay. Then three, I'm like, oh, they're getting a little worse. Then four, it's like, oh, they're really getting worse. 
But, uh, uh, oh, here's the thing. Luke, you may or may not like this. Uh, he actually started out not as a writer, but as a singer of the satirical barbershop group, The Four Preps, which had eight gold singles and three gold albums. Hmm. The songs you love, of course, 26 Miles, uh, Santa Catalina. That's a big one. These are clearly classics that stay with us into this new century. Yeah. Big Man. Everyone loves Big Man. Mm-hmm, of course. And Steve, I think this is your favorite, Lazy Summer Night. I there's nothing better than a lazy summer night, and mine is also uh, down by the station. Those are some of his big hits, and these are parodies of something. Well, they I I, I didn't listen to the stuff. What I was told is I said I think it was like a tongue in cheek group, like they kind of did purposely funny songs, but clearly ones that were successful. So he did that, and then made like eighty five TV shows that people liked. Wow, and then died in two thousand fourteen. But he was still being able to cash those sweet uh, remake of Battlestar Galactica checks, you know. Yeah, I think he was consulting producer on the show, but he actually wasn't involved in any way just because he'd created it. So yeah, yeah, he uh, TV did right by him. So kind of a well-known hack, but clearly a hack that, uh, well, he's hacked his way to the top, hacked his way right to the top. So good for him. It's funny. I'll give you a little tidbit from this oral history and we're Mm going to see it heavily in the two episodes we're about to watch. But I guess the other writers who were involved, there was consulting and there was other writers, but really he wrote most of the series. In fact, I think he made it for almost all of the series himself. And the writers in his oral history were like, he wasn't a great writer. He would just write till he hit 60 pages and then he'd just write to be continued. And then he'd just keep writing. <laughs> Hence why you see sort of a three-part first part. And then even the second episode to watch is yeah. the beginning of another two-parter. We just came off of a three-parter into a two-parter. And I guess this is just, he would just write. And then once he got six pages, like, well... To be continued. Like, there was no notes. There was no prep. He would just start writing, hmm. and then he would just keep writing until he was done. And it makes for some great television. It's certainly, there's no flaws in his method. Yeah. So you guys want to get into uh, part three of Galactica Discovers the Earth? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, uh, we should mention that Steve's watched all the episodes up to this point. Yeah, I think Steve is caught up. So. Yeah, I did actually. Well, as you said, this is uh, the end of the first trilogy of episodes. So I watched episode one and two. I was actually impressed with some of the special effects you know some good uh camera work some good tricks and you know for 1980 there wasn't much there wasn't a lot of science fiction television at that time you mentioned buck rogers in the in the 25th century that was the big one that was going on there and actually probably the most popular was the jetsons which was airing in 1980 that's probably the most popular most successful most well-known science fiction television would you like better the jetsons or the flintstones uh i think i'm more a flintstones person but i preferred when they got together so that the Flintstones Jetson movie would be yeah. where I would. That's not canon, though, is it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Luke, what do you think? Oh, that's definitely part of the uh, Hanna-Barbera verse. Yeah. But, but what do you like better? You like uh, Flintstones or you like the, the Jetsons? Well, I'm probably Flintstones as well. I think I am as well. So I think that's three three Flintstones, mm-hmm. zero Jetsons. They're just more relatable. <laughs> yeah. I like those old cigarette commercials they would do. George Jetson was a bit of an ass. I just, I didn't, you know. He was aggressive for no reason. It was his own fault at the beginning of every episode that he got trapped on the treadmill. And he just blamed his child every time. Was... A lot of anger issues. What are we doing the Jetsons? <laughs> Never. It's too too popular. Yeah. Too successful. All right. Here is the IMDb summary for episode three, Galactica Discovers Earth, part three. Troy and Dylan leap back with Jamie to 1944 to stop Xavier's attempt to help the development of the V2 rocket at, and bear with me here, Penemundi? Penemundi. Let's go with that. Mm-hmm. Later, they return to 1980 CA, but need to secure their impounded Vipers from the U.S. military inspection. That summary was courtesy of R.W. Zim, DPA. It's such a weird name. Every time on these. 
I don't know. I don't know how people come up with their handles on IMDb, but they come up with some real weird ones. Yeah. That was long, too. I stopped paying attention halfway through. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> I did the same thing for the episode, too. <laughs> that seems like the summary of all three of the first episodes. Just They're hard to pull apart. And actually, my understanding is maybe when it first aired, it was probably done as a single TV movie. Wow. To sort of lead you in. And actually, in these oral history, they were saying it was a, it was a TV movie that they were going to start with, and they hadn't agreed to go to series yet. Okay. But just before the TV movie came out, or as they were finishing shooting it, I guess, they're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to series. And they basically went right into production of the series. And they were shooting like seven day weeks on the show. Like they just started pounding them out. And like mm. the actors would show up. They'd be shooting multiple episodes at the same time. Like if they were in the spaceship, they would just block shoot episodes right. upon episodes. Right. And the actors just had no idea what episode they were in or what was going on. Thankfully, none of them have to emote. So that makes it <laughs> yeah, really right. easy. Well, they're, all, it, they're all just hair. Yeah, it's just standing there. They're fish out of water, too. So they're supposed to be relatively confused. So it kind of is okay. Ken and Ryu, the, the two leads, are pretty, they're pretty <laughs> decent. Like, you know. That's pretty good. Well, they, they're just quintessential, yeah. semi-attractive, blonde, and dark-haired gentlemen. Like. And I will say Dylan, um, who's... Dick Van Dyke's son mm. is growing on me. He's got that Dick Van Dyke charm. Okay. I don't know if he has Dick Van Dyke's charm. He's 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 more charming. He than doesn't even have the Jerry, other guy. Jerry Van Dyke charm. <laughs> Troy, I find, is essentially useless. He never knows what's going on. He will shoot the man, shoot a man at the drop of the hat, possibly with stun, possibly with kill. He doesn't know how to work his gun. Does anyone else find Hannah Luke? I know you'll want to get into the into the actual episodes, but my feeling almost as if this show is. Instead of having Kirk and Spock down on a planet, it's just two Spocks down on the planet. And I was like, man, this doesn't work. Two Spocks? Yeah. You think they're like Spock? It, it reminds you of Spock in Star Trek Four. Right. And so it's, but it'd be like if everyone just went down, they were all Spock. Right, right, right. That's why I was on board with this show at first, because Star Trek Four is my favorite Star it's Trek. It's fun. It's fun. And as we spoke off, off air, which we shouldn't do, I like the weird uh, episode or show or movie in a series. Mm. So I enjoy Indiana Jones 2. Uh, oh, Temple right. Yeah. Yeah. Despite its problematic nature. And I like Star Trek four. And I thought this was it. I even think they landed in the same park in the first couple. It episodes. looks like it. It looks, sure looks identical. Like it, yeah. No, they, they definitely set up those vipers and just never move. Yeah. Just, just well, because it's anyways, we'll get to it. Anyway, the, the German park looks exactly like the U.S. park. <laughs> I'm going to catch us up on the last episodes very briefly in case you've forgotten what happened in parts one and two of the episode. Essentially. At this point, they've largely abandoned their A-plot to go back in time to stop Nazis in Nazi Germany from acquiring new technology that Xavier, a Galactica citizen, has gone back to provide them in an attempt to jumpstart Earth's technological revolution. So as we join this episode, they are no longer in 1980. They are still in 1944, dealing with this strange new B-plot that's popped up. Mm -hmm. Where we come into it is Troy and Jamie have disguised themselves as uh, Nazi officers and are attempting to talk xavier out of his plan to uh give the nazis this new rocket technology and like a whole bunch of this whole scene is just uh, this cloaking technology they have just a whole bunch more cloaking shenanigans there's a lot of cloaking in this show it's what i didn't think they would do which is anytime they have to get out of a plot they're just like oh they just cloak every yeah. time they show up and they're like don't do this and he's like i'm gonna turn you into the nazis and then they cloak and they're like haha you can't turn anyone you can't see <laughs> and then like jamie's wrist thing like runs out of juice and she just reappears and they're like uh oh uh -oh. <laughs> i guess my cloaker doesn't work now let me ask you maybe both of you have an answer to this so his plan i get the basic plan he was i'm gonna go back in the past i've decided the nazis were the ones that would be the best to advance the technology for humanity but 
when he gets there, he's clearly already given the technology and they've built this rocket. They've had enough time to build this rocket, whatever it is that, well, like he's already changed time. Well, they do, but this is what happens right now. Well, Troy and Jamie are kind of failing to talk him out of this. Plan B is happening. Dylan and this World War II American spy they've bumped into has joined the crew for With some a weird reason. mustache. With a weird mustache. They are sort of going off to destroy the V-2 rocket before it, like, launches. And there's a really weird sequence because the spy is, like, that's his whole job. He's there to do that. Mm-hmm. He's brought plastic explosives with him. And for some reason, this Dylan's just like, you're such a primitive. <laughs> like, yeah. he calls him that. And then he shoots him with a laser gun and, like, stuns him. And, like, you just say, like... I've got another plan. You don't have to like call insult this man and then shoot him <laughs> instead of like talking to him. But essentially, yeah, Dylan goes off, uses his laser gun to blow up the rocket as it launches. And as soon as the rocket's exploded in the sky, the general who's there to observe this V2 test, this Nazi general, he just watches it explode as, as it's taking off. It's just a test. But he turns around and he's like, yeah, Xavier, that guy, he's clearly a spy. Take him out back and shoot him. Just because the rocket exploded doesn't mean you'd stop using that technology and go, okay, okay, something didn't work, guys. Let's keep doing it. They just go, forget that all. Also, by the way, that guy who gave it to is clearly a spy, even though I have no indication that he would be a spy, but because. Well, I think they do kind of set it up because one of the, it, the test is being watched by a couple of higher ranking Nazis saying our resources are stretched thin. So if this goes wrong, we're going to work on something else. And then as a result, that Nazi threatens the scientists and says, Listen, we've never heard of you before. We're keeping close tabs on the British. You better, this better work. I mean, it's not good writing, but they do under, like, they do kind of set it up. I mean, you, you, you're really defending, what's his name, Gary Larson? I think you're filling in some lines that maybe weren't there. No, no, they're there. They're mm-hmm. not good, I, but they're there. I think you're right. I do believe at the end of episode two, they do imply oh, those things. Maybe it's episode two. And then two. as you come into episode three, he's watching it. Right. But it, I think you're right. I do actually agree. As you say it, I'm like, I do remember some of these lines being said. Yeah. I will say, though, it is insane to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, <laughs> like, you know, the Nazis are not known for restraint. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, if... You know, this screwed up. Just shoot this guy. We, he's mm-hmm. not one of us. He, just, does, he doesn't even have a uniform. Just take him out and shoot him. Thankfully for Xavier anyway, Jamie and Troy are the Nazis he tells to take him back and shoot him. So they basically immediately capture Xavier. The whole like trip back to World War II is now successful. <laughs> it was a weird, and I think this is going to be something that we're going to see throughout the series of the show, is going somewhere. And it's not that they're not committing, but there's no real, nothing really happens. It's like, oh, we went back there. Oh, the rocket didn't work. All right, mission accomplished. Let's move back. And I think that's what we're going to keep seeing. I hope they just keep going to different time periods and nothing really gets done. I was going to say, I think the the blonde guy. Uh, Dylan. The, Dylan. Oh, is Dylan the blonde one? Dylan's the blonde okay. one. Okay. He's all neck. Absolutely. <laughs> he is all neck. neck. <laughs> absolutely useless, right? He. Oh, absolutely. You know, he shoots one person, forgets that his gun is on stun, shoots the, the rocket twice. Finally gets it to blow yeah, up. Why was that needed at all? It's a was funny it just, gig. Just, just funny to show him gig. that he's dumb? Well, yeah, because we didn't mention. He tries shooting the rocket first time. He's like, oh, it's on stun. Yeah. And then he shoots and blows it up. And it's like, but why don't you just cut that 10 seconds of my TV show? It just Larson um, was only at 59 pages. And he needed yeah, that right. 60 pages. Let's go back to Troy or Dylan. Let's like flip flop. I, I would argue that that was one of the better scenes of the show. When, so? when huh. he like forgets his things on stun. Because they, they never forget their things on stun. But he always did. After every battle. He would talk to me like, make sure it's on stun, make sure it's on kill. Like that would be very funny if one time after he shot the rocket, he didn't shot another dot. He's like, oh, still on kill. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we we should also mention that they really keep mentioning over and over on this that they don't want to change the timeline. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously 
there's different views on how time travel would work and especially in science fiction but they've basically drawn the line at we can do anything other than kill people and that won't change the timeline we can freeze people we can beat them up we can blow up rockets we could do all this stuff but if we just don't kill anyone Mm -hmm. nothing should change well that leads us into our next scene pretty well like they return again in this episode to a train being shipping Mm -hmm. people after the holocaust I don't know why they keep going back to the site. It's so dark for this essentially children's show. But this time they decide they're going to do something about it. And even though they've been saying, like, we got to keep a low profile, we can't change history. Dylan and Troy get on their future motorbikes and, like, turn them into flight mode. And they're flying around lasering Nazis left and right as Jamie and the spy, like, rush people off the train to safety. And at at one point they're like, where are we going to go? The Nazis are still going to come after us. And Jamie's like... Oh, don't worry. Today is D-Day. Yeah. Go to the sea, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's a happy coincidence. The costume design on the people being hoarded off onto the trains is ridiculous. They're the biggest stars just sewn to their chest. They look like Superman walking around. That (laughs) poor kid that they rescue just has a giant yellow star on her. It's like, is everybody watching closely? This is what's happening. Got to drive it home. But the important thing is they saved a lot of people in the Holocaust and didn't change history at all. Yeah. Didn't change history at all. Actually, there's one point much later in the episode when they go back and they're talking to Adama and they sort of bring up the fact that they flew around on flying motorcycles in 1944 and shot people. And Adama basically is just like, yeah, but that was 1944. This is 1980. People are dumb. They already forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> like They just hand wave it away in the weirdest way. It's like, yeah, they saw all that, but ah, it's been 40 years. They've forgotten. Don't worry about it. I did think about a possible rewrite of this whole series the moment I saw Dr. Z. And immediately I thought of Dr. Zaius. Dr. Zaius from, <laughs> from Planet, of the, Planet of the Apes. So yeah. they go back in time. This uh, Xander goes back in time, gives the Nazis this technology. The V2 rocket works. We end up, humans end up destroying themselves. And when they get back to the future, it is, the Galacta is gone. They go back to Earth find a crash-landed Galactica, and it is Planet of the Apes. And Dr. Z is now, in fact, Dr. Zeus. Wow. World connected. This is a big thing. I think these time travel plots bring up a lot of opportunities that were missed on the show. Oh, yeah. I'm going to mention one other thing. Dr. Z, that's the the kid's name? That's his name? Mm -hmm. I I call uh, him Dr. Zed because we're Canadian. Of course. um, Dr. Zed, uh, I have a theory, and I I don't think it's going to come true, but I have a theory that Dr. Zed is actually a villain, and is working with the Cylons. Interesting. Oh. That's my theory. That this whole time, this whole plot is him just leading them there. Leading them there. That's a theory. Now, I'd be really impressed if that happens, but I, I, it probably won't. But that's my theory. Getting back to the episode, now that sort of the plot in 1944 is wrapped up, they've got Dr. Xavier. Uh, the V2 rockets aren't a problem anymore. Mm. They head back to the Vipers, and they've got Xavier handcuffed. And they're like, all right, well, let's fly back to 1980 and get this over with. And I can't remember who, Troy or Dylan, one of them kind of uncuffs Dr. Xavier. He's, they're like, all yeah. right, let's go back. And he just runs away. He just runs off into the forest. And they just stand there. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And one of them literally turns to the camera and says, I'm sorry. I thought he'd given up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just yeah. like, why did you uncuff him? He just ran away. Like, he's the bad guy. And yeah. these are supposed to be their two most accomplished off- officers, right? Like no, I, I have a feeling they're their worst because they do mention in one of the other episodes that they have multiple teams down. Yeah. I think we're following the two bumbling morons 
Okay. That, of, of, so the I, bottom of the barrel. Yeah, like I think if you went to another show, it'd be these two really cool guys that are doing like awesome spy stuff, and instead we're watching these two guys who are like, "What's coffee? Bean juice?" <laughs> I thought when they showed up in episode one in their Han Solo jackets and holsters that they were like these were the intergalactic cowboys. They were the best possible, but they're they're super useless, practically pacifists. A punch is never thrown. There's no threat made at at Xavier. They're just like, please. Please come with us now. It's time. Please stop giving Nazis bombs that will destroy the world. Thank they, you. And he's like, I will if you uncuff me. Yeah, yeah. They do just always ask permission. They're like, could you just do this for us? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, there is a really interesting shot in the time travel when they return to 1980. It's first person. I don't know if you guys caught that. They, as they're going, there's like these... Um, the rings as they the rings. through time. <laughs> yes, but then in the rings, in, in silhouette, is the cockpit of the ship. So it's actually first-person perspective, hmm. which was, is not good ever in film, but was interesting. So There's some interesting shots in their time travel sequence. I actually don't hate their time travel What sequence. I like, though, is that, as we've mentioned in the previous episode, when you time travel, as everyone knows, your clothes all turn white. But if you go back into the future, the color comes the back. The color comes back? Yeah. I know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's the, the weirdest way to whitewash an episode. Not only do they completely, like... Going back in time is the best bleach you can buy. It makes your whites whiter and takes you back to Nazi Germany. It's mm-hmm. just so oh, that is pretty like, good. That is true, yeah. yeah. And then the color came back. I couldn't believe the color came back. Yeah, well, immigration. Oh. <laughs> oh, <it's> just, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> we can cut that, right? I can't. Yeah, I, we cut that. Oh, okay. That was what you were saying. Professionally, I can't. That was, that was what you were saying, right, Steve? Oh, yeah. I understood exactly what you were yeah. saying. You, you have problems with immigration? That's what I was saying. Uh, all right, cut. Uh, time <laughs> at, a, at a point? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, this brings them back to 1980. And as they arrive back, there's some sort of indication they need to go back to Galactica because I guess their batteries are running low or something. Mm-hmm. However, they take a really weird, they sort of announce, if we don't get back soon, our batteries run low. But they then immediately make a pit stop. We're like, we got to drop Jamie off. But let's stop at this roadside diner and yeah. uh, have a little coffee before we do. And Jordan, you kind of Im- implied this earlier, but there's a great scene where they're, she's like, orders them coffee and they type it into their wrist computer and they're like, coffee hot beverage made from beans and dylan like turns to Troy's like they drink beans here <laughs> for where uh, a caprica that's the planet they're from right yes yeah they, they've they've never processed anything there so any any sort of thing that's other than i guess water is is shocking to them well presumably they've been drinking like their own pee and <laughs> breathing their recycled air on these ships that they've been traveling through the wilderness of space in but... it's true for a generation they wouldn't know but they turn their uh, turn their nose up at a hot cup of joe. Exactly, they're they're idiots. We'll talk about in episode four how dumb this entire race of people is. But <laughs> it's amazing they survived this long. But yeah, while they're having this their their bean juice, they pick up a newspaper and there's a big headline on the front cover with their photos saying they're all wanted criminals. And Troy's a little offended. He's like, "We didn't do anything wrong. Why are we wanted criminals?" And I I want I in my mind I was like I'm like well, but at this exact point, Dylan turns to him and he's just like. Well, we did drive a car through the front of a building. Like, you know, maybe maybe we did something wrong. I, I like the show is at least cognizant of itself enough to point out, like, its characters will say things that you would expect them to say because they're not bright. But then another character will point out, it's like, well, we did cause all that destruction. So maybe maybe we did something wrong. Perchance that is illegal in this place, yeah. driving through a building. And can anyone else believe that they brought this stupid kid and his dad back? Oh, it's great. Oh, that horrifying child? (laughs) They just keep freaking... I'm like, this is a character? This is a character in the show? The kid who's always running into the the park going, there's a spaceship there. Yeah. Sorry, who goes to school to the worst school on the planet? Like, he says there's aliens, and then 60 kids beat him? 
Yeah. Right. Like, Anyways, hold on. We're getting oh, there. Oh, we're getting there? Okay, sorry. Well, that's, I mean, this is how we kind of end the diner scene is they have this moment where they can't believe they're one of criminals. And then just another weird thing happens. Like the jukebox turns on and the two guys jump out of their chair. And shoot it. And pull out their laser guns and start shooting this jukebox in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. Can you kind imagine of- if someone sneezed? <laughs> and, and and old Dylan didn't have his uh, gun switched off Dude, with stud. Yeah, this dead. gun can blow up a V two rocket, but just just shuts off a yeah. It's a good jukebox, good yeah. point. Has he turned it off of kill yet? No, we don't know. No one reminded him to. Yeah. It's always on the opposite <laughs> thing that he wants until someone's like, "Oh, you killed that guy." This sort of ends the scene at the diner. And they put Jamie on a bus to go off to her job at UBC. When they leave her, she says, guys, I adore both of you. That was the line she had. I was like, why? Why does she adore both of them? They've only been trouble for her so far. Also, she doesn't really have a job there yet. She signed no papers or anything. I don't know how she's surviving. Well, it's true because they kind of said, if you help us get this interview with the doctor, we'll give you a job. But the last time we saw her, she was crashing a car. Yeah. And, like. But yeah. what, what is she eating? How like who's paying her rent? Who's feeding her cat? I think she lives in that car. Probably she's from a small town, right? Like she, yeah. she's you know just fresh off the bus. <laughs> but yeah, they put her on a bus to head back to her job. They get back onto their motorcycles, and immediately we just get another sequence where someone chases them on their motorcycles. Yeah. They flip their motorcycles into fly mode, and they just fly away. Every time they get on their motorbike, so far you know that it's going to end up with someone chasing him and they fly away. It happens like six times. Mm-hmm. I would like if there was a small cameo from somebody every time that happens. Oh, like only on Batman TV show where they're climbing up the wall and it'd yeah. be like, Sammy Davis Jr.'s there. Well, that the would first, be good. The first guy that harasses them is from Blade Runner. Oh, really? In, in episode one, the one that calls him a turkey. and then like, Oh, yeah, the bikers. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's... Uh, Both of those bikers are Harrison, like... It's Harrison Ford. Faces. Harrison Ford. It's Harrison, Harrison Ford from... Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, if it was just like a, another TV character... That would be awesome. Like, oh, you want it to be actual other TV characters? That would be, like, it's, yeah, that would be bad. If yeah, Bo- Boss Hog with Boss the Hog is the bomb in the, the cop like. car. I actually read a little bit more about these uh, this flying motorcycle sequence in the uh, oral history. Oh yes, so say we all. Uh, apparently, <laughs> so say we all. Apparently, what it is is they've mounted those bikes onto the rail of a helicopter. Wow! And they just fly them up, and it was just like the stuntmen who were doing it were like. We were really impressed that nothing went wrong. <laughs> you could see because they only give about three quarters of yeah. the bike itself that it was unmounted on something. But I was thinking a crane. Yeah, I thought a crane too. But when I read it, I was a motorcycle. I'm like, man, good, cool stunt, you guys. Yeah. But this brings us up to the point where Willie, the child from the first two episodes, returns to refind these Vipers in the same field. He calls his dad and his dad is vindicated because his dad is not a crazy person, it turns out. Oh, no, he's an asshole, though. Sorry. Can I he curse is. on no, this no, he podcast? Is. He is. Oh, yeah. You can say whatever okay. you want. Because he's an asshole. And that second episode when the kid came in and was like, I, did you guys talk about that? Yeah, yeah, we did. Oh, my God. Okay, he really sorry. gets told I, to shut up. I know. Yeah. You walked into the house and then spoke. <laughs> How dare you? And his sister's like, just be quiet. They're going to beat us later. Well, we come to see this is this whole 80s. kid's life. This oh. kid's whole life is this. Yeah. But... They call the military in and the military shows up to find the flying saucers or the unidentified flying objects. And they're going to, you know, pack them up and move them out to some military base. And I, I really like because, like, clearly the military wants to keep the secret. And the kids just like, oh, all the kids at school are making fun of me for saying I saw a UFO. And like this g- military general bends over to him. and He's just like, <laughs> like you would talk to a kid. And I, I assumed I knew what he was going to say, but I was surprised by what the military guy said to Willie. He's like, Willie, do you know what it means to keep a military secret? I know. I loved it. Like, a military? No, he doesn't. They basically make this big point about you have to keep this a secret. It's a huge military secret, Willie. And they turn around, and his school bus pulls up next to the Vipers. He's like, well, off to school. I'm like, 
the, there's a whole school bus just pulled up next <laughs> to these things. You well, told me. There's a couple <laughs> weird things about that. The first being the school bus comes to wherever Billy is. Yeah. That's a pretty good school bus because he's just out in a random park. He's in a field. And uh. But then I thought the same thing. I'm like, well, this is going to vindicate everything. A little, uh, what's his name? Jimmy? Willie. 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 Anything the Jill- worst name he could have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're making fun of the wrong thing. Yeah. Anyways, old Willie there. But then the, the school bus, there's no kids in it. Because I thought, oh, the, all the kids will see the spaceship and it's fine. But no, because then we cut to him getting a... He's the first stop. He's the first stop. The park. They always stop at the park first. Mom actually is the bus driver. That's that, was, mm. that comes in a later episode. It was revealed. Right. That their <laughs> terrible mother to Willie is actually also his bus driver. Her, her job is driving the school bus. Yeah. That's and why she knows where he is. Yeah. Always. Dad called it on the uh, giant cell phone. Thankfully for Dylan and Troy, they arrive just in time to see the military packing up their planes to go. And they need to know how they're going to get their Vipers back from the military. So they come up with what has to be the most logical solution <laughs> to figure out where the military has bought their Vipers to. Who are they going to ask? Well, who they ask is they decide, you know what would be the best thing for two single adult men to do is go to a school and find some children. Well, that's and it. They're like, where did we got to figure out where the military took our Vipers. Let's follow that school bus to where that kid went. Right. He'll know? Question mark? Yeah. And as we arrive there, what we do see is, as mentioned earlier, Billy, or sorry, Billy. Willie. Willie. You give him the benefit of the doubt by calling him Bill. It's... Will, yeah. little Will. Uh, Willie is just, like, the entire school has gathered around him to bully him relentlessly. Yeah, I like it's it. incredible. I wrote it. My note was, ha-ha, he's getting bullied. <laughs> it's beyond bullying. This is full-on assault. At one point, he falls to the ground, and they circle around him. I think they're kicking him. One, right. kid, one kid spits on him. Oh, my God. That's not true. It is, <laughs> it is crazy. He, <laughs> he, bit him, he bit his ear right off. They basically are mad at him for lying about seeing these these UFOs or these uh, these vipers. And when all the kids kind of leave him in the dirt, Dylan and Troy just kind of step out of nowhere up to the kid. And they're like, hey, where did our vipers go? To which, very reasonably, Willie replies, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. <laughs> Can I mention one thing, though? He must have been really annoying. Like a really annoying kid. If all the other kids were that aggressive towards him, he must have really be going on and on about these ships. Just the look of him, I could see why a few of them would dislike him. I just, he he's very frightening on screen. Uh, but yeah. You know what I mean? It just reminds you of like, I know this is not nice to say, but there's always at least one kid who's so annoying. Yes. You're like, I know you don't mean to be an annoying kid, but you're really annoying. And I'm assuming he's the kid in the class. And now he's also going on about these stupid spaceships. Well, clearly his parents hate him. So I can see he's not <laughs> likable. This kid's got a lot of trauma. Yeah. yeah. They shoot it all from Willie's perspective for a while. So you just see like the legs and butts of Troy and Dylan. <laughs> sort of stepping up to him. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, I don't talk to strangers. And like, you shouldn't because it's just all groin shots right now. <laughs> Run away, Willie. It is true. Uh, and Dylan kind of just like, well, we're not strangers, are we? You've seen our spaceships. And I'm like, this is a terrible lesson for children because mm-hmm. they're talking Willie in to hang out with strangers. And like, it's supposed to be like, it's cool. Well, Will- it's cool because they're like, well, we're like, we're spacemen. Yeah. It's fine. Like, oh, yeah, I guess it's true. My parents never specifically said don't hang out with spacemen. That's right. <laughs> and essentially, they get Willie to spill the beans how he knows <laughs> Where are these vipers? I have no idea. But he gets them to spill the beans because they're like, well, what if you give up your secrets and we give you our wrist computer for a few minutes to play with? And what he does with that wrist computer is insane. Luke, of all the shows we've watched, it's the first time someone has tickled their way out of a situation. <laughs> yeah. He cloaks himself. Yeah. Finds the lead bully who's drinking water out of a water fountain. Yes. Yes. 
And he starts talking to him, I guess, to make him crazy. Well, he's basically like, you can't see me. Look what I can do. But he doesn't have any really good taunts or anything. He's just like, I'm invisible. Yeah. And the kid's like, what? And then he just starts tickling him. I, I think I nodded off there for a second and didn't understand what's happening and woke up <laughs> and the, the bully was just laughing. Yeah. He, like, what the hell is happening? And like, I always say this every time I watch something on TV when I see something like this. I feel an incredible amount of embarrassment for the actor yeah. to have to pretend to being tickled by themselves. I just picture myself in that and they'd be like, pretend you're getting tickled. I'm like, I, I can't do that. I'm well, sorry, that kid, I can't. He wasn't, like, he was just grabbing his nipples and rolling against a chain link fence. Well, Billy was primarily tickling his nipples. No, that Willie. Sorry, Willie. Like, like, there's so, that kid just assaulted you and that's the best thing you can think of is to kind of like taser his sides until he laughs regardless it's an effective method clearly because it works on the bully well i mean all the school kids gather around and they laugh at him because he's losing his mind yeah because they think he's lost his mind and is having a mental breakdown i guess willie invented gaslighting in 1980 (laughs) that's true to attack bullies he really ruined this bully's life yeah it's a it's a very weird sequence. More cloak acting. I can't believe how much cloak acting happens where an actor has to pretend someone's there. It's insane. But yeah, Billy does this. I guess he gets or Willie. Willie does this. I guess he gets his revenge. Goes back, gives them back their wrist computer, and then just gives up the location of their vipers. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wouldn't have given that thing back. Well, and then they trade him a pin, right? Don't they? Oh yeah, him, they yeah. give him a, like, a like space you're a pin. superhero pin, but don't tell anybody, right? So once again, they enlist Willie not to spill a secret. And as he runs out of the scene in the background here, you're like, hey, look what I got. I'm like, Willie, you're the worst. Yeah. yeah. Like. Cannot keep a secret. Not at all. You can see why he gets beaten on a regular basis yeah. at well, home and at school. I just love <laughs> at all. I just love that he's been tormented for saying he saw spaceships. And now he's about to run off and say, look at this space pin I got. Yeah. Like, They're going to destroy you, Willie. Yeah. Oh, Willie. That, I mean, the last we ever see of him, but we can assume that the rest of his life was very really troubled. Hope. Unless he becomes Dr. Z. You think it's time travel shenanigans that bring Willie? Goddamn Willie. He almost ruined this episode for me. This is a part where we cut back to Galactica and Adama's sleeping. This is exactly (laughs) what I was going to say. Is For some reason, we jump back to Galactica. Adama's having a nap on a couch. (laughs) Because he's he's old. Elderly, elderly man. Fully clothed. And he literally wakes up for long enough to be like, Hey guys, remember the plot was about Xavier? (laughs) Yeah. Let me just go back to sleep now. He just has a great line, though, and I love... He said, you didn't get back a micron too soon, which I enjoyed. It was a micron too soon. They're always right in time for stuff, despite being useless. Is this... Have they already traveled with Jamie in the spaceship up to Black? No, no. He wakes up to call down to not just remind our lead characters, but literally to remind the viewer and the plot of the show itself that Xavier's still around. Because they've just, like, gone off now to... Because we jump right to Xavier now, who's watching a news report on a TV on the street where Dr. Mortensen's being interviewed, a character we've long forgotten about, Mm -hmm. a nuclear scientist they were trying to help advance society or something. Yes. and was Donald Sutherland's stunt double, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's the Brady Bunch dad. Get out of here, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. It's just it's the 80s and he he has a mustache. Right, right. So Xavier, how he knows who this guy, I guess maybe they know from the mission briefings or something. I have no idea. But Xavier's like, okay, I'm going to go find that guy because I know Troy and Dylan want to find that guy. And he, he stops some newsie on the street who's selling newspapers. And he's like, hey, how do I get to the United Broadcasting Corporation? And the guy turns to him and he says, a Carnegie Hall joke? He's like, practice, practice, practice. practice. I'm like, yeah. what is happening here? <laughs> but essentially, this newsie explains to him how taxis work because mm-hmm. he just ha- doesn't know how to get, do anything. And he raises his hand and flags a cop car down. 
he tells him that taxis are yellow or black and white. Right. And so he walks down and is like, yellow, black and white. And then he sees a black and white car. But here's the thing. Down. One, no one clearly did any research before coming to the planet. Because, like, it's not just Dylan and Steve. What's the other guy's name? Xavier. Troy. Troy. Troy Dylan yeah. and Troy and then Xavier. None of them know how anything's working yet. They're all down there on the planet. But the other thing is, the cops just go along with it. Yeah. He gets into the cops. are like, let's see where this goes. Yeah. The cops are yeah. great. I love that. I like, I like to see how this works out. The guy in the back, let's see how crazy it is. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. Because he starts dictating where they're going. They're like, this guy's crazy. Let's find out how crazy. <laughs> yeah. They drive him to UBC where he gets out of the cop car, sees the doc leaving the studio, immediately runs up to him. And since the doc is famous, the cops are like, oh, shit, that's Doc Mortensen. And the crazy guy's going to him. We better actually step in now. Like yeah. we've clearly yeah. we've brought him all the way. We crossed the line. We helped the guy make the bomb, and we delivered it. But this thing might go off now. So they kind of run up, and Doc's talking to Xavier, and Xavier's like, "Hey, listen, I'm with those alien friends. If you don't believe me, watch this." And he kind of cloaks himself, and the cops are like, "Where to go?" And essentially, he uses this to get into Doc Morton's car, and the Doc gets in and drives off, and they head back to his place where Xavier kind of explains to the doctor that Troy and Dylan are criminal outcasts from Galactica. You can't trust them. You have to trust me. I'm the only one who can help you. Like he's what his plan is is very unclear at this point, but he's clearly trying to win the trust of Xavier and like sully the names of Troy and Dylan for some purpose. Also, wasn't it weird that he drove him back to his house? Yeah, well I mean he just wanted to hang out at his house. Be comfortable. Be comfortable Mm -hmm. while he was talking to the alien. And at this point we cut back to UBC because we finally get to catch up with Jamie who I guess has this job. Like she's talking to Mr. Brooks this like news director it seems like somehow i guess she is a reporter now well she has again she has nowhere else to go she has no job but the best part is she gets another call at the office i know the first thing that happens is she gets a call at the the, people just call her at this office all the time but what i liked is it's dylan calling to be like hey we need your help and mr brooks is just like turns to secretary like put a trace on that call yeah i know it's like whoa how how does that happen ubc is super powerful there there's some criminal activity going on at ubc for sure Essentially, Troy calls her, Troy or Dylan calls her and says, we need your help to find or help Dr. Morrison. It's how they know he's in trouble. It, all of it is like very loosely tried together. And then all she does to help is she calls Dr. Mortensen's house. And when she gets him on the phone, she's like, hey, look out. The guy you're probably with, Xavier, is a criminal. And it's so weird because Dr. Xavier's sitting there reading a book on um, the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just like, oh, uh, are you on the phone with uh, people telling you I'm evil? Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, I just read this book about the American Revolution. I don't even need you anymore. Whatever my plan with you was is over. I'm, I'm going to go back to here uh, and I'm going to rule the world. Uh, by." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just reads a book, abandons whatever plan he had when he showed up there. And he's just like, I read about one period of time, the 1700s. For like 10 minutes, I've got a new plan now. Uh, I'll be seeing you later. I just don't understand how these idiots have been looking for Earth for hundreds of years. At least 30 years. At least the 30-year gap between. Yeah, 100%. Right? And know nothing. Yeah, they don't know anything. Well, no, that's not true. Clearly, uh, old old Zed boy, Dr. Zed, he knows something because he's always giving them information. He's always very withholding with it, I've noticed. But in episode one where he, he shows them, like, oh, Earth is a terrible place, he shows them cartoons. Yeah. Like, he's... That's they, why they wasted their time watching the Jetsons, and they should have been watching... Uh, that's right. Learning a little bit about history. He says the communications You mean are, watching the Flintstones history? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Communications are continuing from Earth. And then he just, like, he's flipping the channel on a television, 
I'm like, look, it's horrifying. Look at this luau. I'm like, these people know nothing about the planet. I mean, it's horrifying. Look at this luau. I like that. <laughs> there's a dancer. There's a, a, a hula dancer for quite a bit of time. It does seem like they absorb information in short chunks. So TV probably works well. For it. I mean, the fact that Xavier picked up one book and he's just like, all right, I don't need to know any more about Earth. I have a blue plan. Yeah. Also, do you think that because, you know, we cut to uh, Mortensen getting a phone call. But what's it, the other guy? Xavier was just reading a book before that. If we had seen that scene, do you think it was just Mortensen sitting there watching Xavier read a book? <laughs> yeah, I think he was walking around. He's like, oh, you want a good book? Uh, try this one out. He's like, I'm going to go make myself a cup of coffee. And the guy's like, bean juice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this essentially gives Xavier a new plan of some sort. We cut back to Jamie leaving the UBC building. Troy and Dylan also happen to be walking up to the building. So they all jump in a cab together and boot it to this military base because they're like, we better get our Vipers back. And also, I guess the military must have found Xavier's Viper. There's like some line dropped along the way that like they found a third Viper. Mm. Uh, my assumption was that he also put it in the same park because it's the only park around. Right. Yeah. Well, it's funny. They clearly only have two of them. So they never show a third Viper. They just keep referring to the fact that one exists mm. somewhere. And they get to this military base. It's, it's so poorly guarded. Like Xavier's already in his viper as they arrive and he needs to repower it so he starts like sucking electricity like bolts right off a grid yeah that was convenient for them right wasn't it that uh that the planes they weren't worrying about like having the right plug it's just like oh our planes can just pull electricity out of the air or out of anything electric around us so yeah good. it's wireless charging they they yeah. had that technology yeah. for quite some time they've got that on lockdown yeah and there's this whole thing jamie has to distract the guards it allows Troy and Dylan to run at and try to rush Xavier to, like, stop him from flying off. But it doesn't work. Xavier flies away. So Troy and Dylan just run in and get into their Vipers to follow him. And as they get in, Jamie, I guess, had one of their cloaking devices. She just uncloaks behind in the backseat of the Viper. She's like, I'm coming with you, yeah. too. Had one of their cloaking devices, one of their Pharaoh helmets. Yeah, she's a, already a geared flight up. suit. She's good to go. This yeah. was her plan the whole time. They take off into the sky after them. And just as they do, this car pulls up and uh, some military general gets out with Dr. Mortensen. Like, he's was picked up by this military guy, brought here, essentially to look at these vipers, maybe? Yeah. They get out. It's total chaos. The general's just like, oh, man, what happened now? And the doctor turns to him and says, it's people from outer space. He gets back in his car, drives away, and the military general just turns to some shoulders like, check out that joker. Like, he just <laughs> doesn't believe him. Like, I guess that's how it worked. It's okay for them to constantly reveal themselves because everybody thinks everyone else in this world is a stupid liar. Everybody thinks everybody's a willy. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, if, yeah. If we could only beat that old man, it'd be fine. But yeah, they, that general just really wants to bully Dr. Yeah, Morton. Yeah. <laughs> we get up into sort of the stratosphere. Xavier's like spooling up, I guess, to go back in time. He's starting to spin around the world to go back, I guess, to the American Revolution. Mm -hmm. And he won't be talked down. So the only solution is for Troy and Dylan to start shooting at him, but they don't seem to know where he... They, they just seem to be shooting randomly at space. Am I wrong? Did it just not no, seem like they No, I think we find shots? at this part that they're actually blind. <laughs> they had locked onto him. There's this, It shows them locking onto oh, the on, ship. Oh, you're right, on their little computer screen. But then they wait too long because they just they try to pacify him and be like, listen, please, please don't do something crazy. We really want you to come back to the ship. Please. Why? Don't run away if we're on a cap. Yeah. Just shoot this guy. This scene does have my favorite line from Jamie, though. Well, Jamie's trying to talk to them. 
right? She's right, right. To, and they're like, stay off our communicator. She's in the same ship as you. <laughs> She's right behind you. She can hear your conversation. Some of the best back and forth between these couple, this trilogy of people. Like, uh, it's it's so weird. Idiotic. The whole scene was weird because they start shooting finally. And they seem to be just taking random pot shots. And there's an explosion or something. But it's not clear. It's not clear if anything happened. One of them is just like, did we get him? They shrug it off. They're yeah. like, I don't know. The reason they did it is so that you don't know if they hit him or not. And he can come back as a villain later on. It's like, right. but, well, they had to have hit him. Because what else exploded? I thought what, they got what, him. What, what are the, they, they hit a son? Like, of course they, they hit him. There was some sort of explosion. But they really shrug it off. Like, did we get him? Well, I don't know. And they head back to Galactica. And as like Adam is waiting for them there, and he just immediately says like, "Yeah, yeah, no, no, he went back in time. It's <laughs> now. Yeah. You totally missed him. Yeah, you guys failed. You, you guys, are the you worst. Guys, you guys rip rolled it. I mean, it's so funny because it doesn't bother Adam that much, and he's like telling Jamie like, your skills are so great. Mm-hmm. We're gonna team you guys up. You're gonna go back to the 1700s. This is your new thing. You're a cool team. You're gonna go back. You're gonna get them. You're gonna mm-hmm. prevent whatever's happening. And like he's just told Jamie how useful her skill set is." And when she finds that he's gone to the 1700s, her, her line here is, uh, he could change America from a democracy to who knows what. I'm like, <laughs> oh, God. Like, he just finished complimenting you, and this is your retort. What you're missing, though, is that then she just starts talking oh, about uh, Benjamin Franklin yeah. and how she just really liked to have sex with him. Well, this is – I've got the line here because – I also have it written down. Because it's, you want to do it because it's insane. Like, it's, she's talking about the history, and she's talking about, like, who's back in the 1700s. Yeah, and Benjamin Franklin – had a way with the ladies. Yeah. It keeps going, actually. She's like, I did hear Ben Franklin had a way with the ladies. Maybe I'll get a chance to find out firsthand. <laughs> no way, really? Yeah, that's, that's the entire line. I'm just wow. like, wow. She's fucking horny for Benjamin Franklin, and she yeah. can't wait to go back to the also, 1700s. The only image, and maybe I'm wrong, the only image I have of ben, Benjamin Franklin is receding hairline lo- that's long in the back, Mullet in the back. With, a, with a top coat. And the fat guy with little round spectacles. Am I yeah. and, a, and a, what do you call it? A kite. Yeah. I mean, historically, it's true that he loved to, like, get it on with ladies. But, like, he's, no, like, he's not an attractive man. He famously was sent to France as the ambassador for the U.S. And didn't come back because he just got all kinds of French trim while he was there. Like, he refused <laughs> to return to that, the States. That's true. Yeah. So, like, it's true. But she said, "What did she say? Did she? Ma- she didn't even major in in history. She no, just no, she studied. Had, no, she, she got straight A's in high school. Yeah, yeah. It's like great. But the to American be fair, education system. Her high school education is clearly as far far superior to anything that uh, Dylan and uh, uh, Steve know. Yes. What's that guy's name? Well, Troy. Yeah, I am Troy. Steve. Don't know They're Steve. Dylan and Troy. I just can't remember any of these characters. I don't names. know. It doesn't matter. I, I don't know how you can't remember their name because they never use pronouns in this show. They refer to Troy and Dylan." In every sentence. Anytime she talks to them, it's Troy and Dylan. But Troy and Dylan, we have to do this. But Troy and Dylan, we have to do that. You can say he or him or you. It's fine. We can't forget who these two characters are. Yeah. But I mean, that's, this is how the episode wraps up. Like, her, the last line of the episode is her saying, I want to bone down Benjamin Franklin. And then they cut to Adama, who just gets a big smile and he just like wags his finger at her and is like, oh, Jamie. This was three episodes. This was three hours in television time. Three hours of television. And like, Nothing really happened. A lot of little things happened, but nothing of any consequence. And I was like, that didn't need to be three hours. That didn't even be one hour. Well, that's basically how it wraps up is is you're kind of like, all right, great. We set up the show. They're going to be a time travel team who's always chasing that Xavier. We'll get into the second episode now. But spoiler alert, the network decided they did not like that idea after the pilot came out. Yeah. And they throw it away in the next episode Mm -hmm. as if it 
never happened. Xavier will not be spoken of again. He's changing the American Revolution. They've ignored entirely. We even glossed over the uh, scene that she has with her boss. Yeah, Doctor. Where Mr. the boss Brooks. is like, you have, uh, was it not mutant by proxy, but... Um, oh, uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome from these two handsome dudes that kidnapped you. Like, Jamie's character is... She's interesting. She's the only one that has any emotions. But basically, as you said, like this is three hours of just getting her onto the yeah. spaceship. Yeah, that's like, that's, that's you're it. right. That's basically what's what's been accomplished now at this time. The villain, don't worry about him. He's done. Uh, the plot line, don't worry about that. All you need to know now is you've got three people who wear Pharaoh helmets. Yeah, that's what you need to know. One of them is a woman with feelings. Yeah, the other two are <laughs> cardboard cutouts. One of them is Troy. One of them is Dylan. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Who's who? Who can say? Who cares? All right. I'm going to give us the summary for the next episode then so we can get right into it. Uh, Super Scouts. Adama, since the time of our defeat, the Cylons have not been idle. Not only have they developed new machines, but they have evolved beyond our greatest fears. In what way? Consider this. In 30 Earth years, it is possible to create a totally new technology. They are so almighty powerful. Why don't they simply destroy us? They wish to experiment with their new machines. Using us as living targets. No word yet from our shuttle. Our only hope is that Captain Troy has been able to lead them safely to Earth. What happens to those children may be the best indication of all. Whether or not we can survive. Here's the summary for part, episode four, the Super Scouts, part one. Troy and Dylan are teaching some of the children raised on the Galactica about what they can expect on Earth if and when they get to go there. But when their vessel is attacked by the Cylons, they escape. But because they can't make it back to the Galactica, they decide to land on Earth. Now, I've truncated that summary because it just kept going. But it was courtesy of RCS0411 at Yahoo.com. Has that person done one before? Yeah, that he was in our first round of episodes. Hmm. Did, why that many numbers? I don't know. You're, yeah, okay. It's fine. It's not rants about don't, his name. It's don't fine. think about it too much. Yeah. Before we get into the episode, I, what two things I noticed in the credits that like blew my mind was the show was now referred to just as Battlestar Galactica. Oh, was it really? Yeah, they got rid of the title. I think this might be because this is a syndicated version. I read a little bit that said the 1980 was eventually just like spat into the syndicated version of mm. Battlestar Galactica and they just like called the whole thing Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. So this may be just be because this is a syndicated version we're watching. And the other thing I noticed that I got very excited for for a hot second was the guest starring Patrick Stewart and I lost my mind for a second. Um, unfortunately, I came to realize Stewart was spelled differently and what happened was they replaced Dr. Z with a new kid. Yes. And that kid yeah. is Doc, is Patrick Stewart, not yeah, it, the Patrick Stewart. Before we get into it, what what did everyone think of the new Doctor Z? He's terrible, terrible, yeah. huge mistake. Can you believe that the the cousin from the Brady Bunch, who's the original? Remember in the Brady Bunch at the last season, they're like, "Oh, we're losing viewers. Let's bring another child." That's what the show needs. You lost me at remember the Brady Bunch. Um, so anyways, much. I can't remember what the kid's name was, but it was like cousin Eddie or something like that. Right. That's who Ed. the original Doctor Z was, and now. They've just replaced him with someone who's a little bit older and has very prominent kid sideburns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I uh, I thought the first Doctor Z looked like Paul Williams. Is that his name from uh, Phantom of the Paradise? You oh, ever seen that? Yeah, that Paul yeah. Williams. What did you call him? Uh, a young John Denver. Oh yes. Here is something from that oral history I read. 
they interviewed the guy Robbie Rist, the kid who uh, mm-hmm. who's now a man who played it. And he was 16 at the time when he did it. And there's just one sentence, apropos of nothing, where he's like, I had the real hots for Jamie. I was a 16-year-old kid, and that actress was very attractive. But what was I going to do about it unless she had some weird, sick fantasy for John Denver? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I thought you'd appreciate that. He yeah. really knew that he looked insane. With a last name like Rist, I'm sure I, I know what he did in terms of that. <laughs> oh, uh, man. That his name is Robbie Rist. Like, you get that for a reason. Oh, it's a nickname. It's his nickname. No, no, it's his, it's that's his family name. They're they're a oh, it's a fine. It's a, a f- it's a family tradition. Yeah, it's a tradition of masturbation. Let's call it. <laughs> let's say a spade a spade, guys. Oh dear. Um, but anyway, this episode starts off. We see the new Doctor Z talking to Adama, and they kind of retool the show in this scene. They basically propose a new plan, which is Doctor Z thinks they need to send kids to Earth before they repopulate Earth Galactica technology just to get a kickstart on it. And also because, as mentioned in the first episode, Galactica is past Earth now, and they're going to keep flying so that the Cylons don't know where Earth is. But it's just this weird new plot line where it's like, we want to send kids to Earth from Galactica, and the show's now going to be about kids on Earth. Do you think that's what the show's going to be now? I think it might be, because what we see now is Dylan is like on the school ship... You know what, I've got it written down somewhere. I'll find it later. But there's a school ship in the fleet. I believe it's a school barge. A school barge in the <laughs> yeah, fleet. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a school barge. Yeah. Where all the kids who are born in this generation of Galactica are being taught. And Dylan's there giving them a lesson on what it's going to be like on Earth. Are they teachers, though? Steve, you're a teacher. Do they seem like teachers? This is uh, this is a horrifying scene for anybody involved in education for many reasons. Uh, they are not teachers. I mean, they're getting the kids hyped about things. But also, these kids should know what the hell atmosphere and gravity are. Gravity is not a thing that just happens on Earth. And it's super important to traveling through space. Right? Like, I was, I was angry at this episode. I like the social commentary they had because as Dylan's trying to teach them, they're all like just staring at their wrist computers. I was like, oh, social media. That's right. Yeah. They're they texting have, each other and tickling nice little, each other. They had nice little IMAX on their desk. So, do you notice that? No, I didn't. But there's they, they a like, lot of tech on this show yeah. that's way ahead of its time. This was the line of television, though, that kind of got me excited. Every time I watch the opening, I'm like, this is a space western. Because they're basically in these intergalactic covered wagons. And the the opening tricks you into thinking, like, okay, this is kind of going to be a good show. Because it's clips from Battlestar Galactica. Every time they show the part where they're doing space basketball, I go, yes, yes. Oh, no, I'm never going to see that. No, because we're going back to 1980. All the fun stuff is from the previous show you're never going to see. Okay, I see. Because I thought, like, yeah, like, thinking about generations and, like, splitting up the the, the wagon train and getting them to Earth, that is all very, very interesting. I'm I'm in that. And actually, you know, the music sounds a bit like a Western. Right, and they call them desperados, and they say that they've gone through the wilderness of space. Like, there's all these hints to it. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm in here. This, That's the show you want to see. Yeah, and then yeah, it's, it's just not like, going to be this show. No, it's just asshole kids that don't know about gravity. Like, not to take us off topic again for too long, but uh, another part of that oral history was talking about bait and switches. And apparently, when they were advertising the show because it had gone off the air, Galactica, the fans were very upset. And suddenly, you know, less than a year later, it was coming back. And the entire lead up to it, they ran a huge advertising campaign. And all the footage they showed of it was of that first episode, the simulation of Cylons attacking L.A. Mm. So everyone was like so excited because they had this like high budget attack of L.A. using all this stuff. And they're like, Battlestar 1980 is going to be amazing. 
it was such a bait and switch. So when people tuned in, they lost their mind. Oh, <laughs> right. wow. I this whole too. show is a, like a bait and switch. But anyways, getting back to it, the thing I liked about this scene about the kids is they mentioned something that at this point has never been mentioned before. That is Earth's air is thinner to them and they have less gravity so mm-hmm. they can do big jumps and stuff. Well, but like, I think they should have utilized that at some point. I will say this. I was fine with that education. I'm like, the atmosphere on Galactic is different. The gravity on Galactic is different. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Planets have different gravity. That's going to happen. Then tell the kids, you're going to be able to jump higher when you go to Earth. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. They'll, they'll never experience a slightly less gravity. They'll be impressed by like just jumping like a normal human. When they get to Earth, they can jump over trees. That's not how gravity works. Yeah, they can jump like 20 feet, right? Yeah. They're jumping over trees in the episode. I'm like, you're the same as a human being physiologically unless your leg muscles are like hot springs there's no way this changes that much well no they would be right because they're they're operating and growing in a higher gravity environment their muscles would have to exert more energy to move but but not 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 to that point they're still getting pulled by the same gravity you think it checks out well no it actually doesn't check out out because actually they're they move in air that has less pressure there's less air pressure on their ship apparently right because their atmosphere is thinner so that actually balances it out so they would have stronger leg muscles here, but they would de- be dealing with more air pressure. So, so they should just jump. They should just walk around. Like they should just be normal kids. Why are we giving them powers? Guys, when was I, this I don't think I don't, like, I don't think you paid attention. Uh, the gravity's less, so they can <laughs> jump twenty feet. I also, it doesn't is. affect Troy and Dylan. Troy and Dylan cannot jump twenty. No, feet. No, I know. Only, 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 Luke. They're kids. It clearly yeah. works different. But they won't be able to play as hard. That's what I like. That was the, that was a good teaching yeah, moment. Yeah, that's there. right. Like, they won't be able to play as hard. You might get winded, guys. Just you know, pump the brakes so a little. Calm bit. down. Calm down, yeah. everyone. Don't have too much fun. Well, and this whole this whole scene was, uh, Steve, we mentioned this last episode, but apparently because of the time slot it was in, mm-hmm. it was a children's hour, so it required educational content. Ah, and you can episode. see them jammed in every episode. It so, really is painful. Entertainment. So if you're playing a drinking game and you watch this, this is where you drink. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, in the middle of this like lecture they're giving on Earth, for the first time in a generation, the Cylons attack. And because, I guess, the school ship is going undergoing maintenance, it's slower or it's completely come to a stop. So the Cylons just start smashing the school ship. School barge. School barge. Thank you. The Delphi, I found the name of it. Oh, nice. And it's very funny because they're attacking. We get this idea that the ship's being destroyed. They're trying to rescue all these kids off the ship. And you get lots of shots of them where they put fire and smoke basically in the foreground of the image. Mm -hmm. They weren't going to fill the actual studio with it, but, you know, it's the illusion of this happening. But what you see on screen is everyone leisurely walking around, (laughs) gathering the children. There's no energy to it. And this, I swear to God, this oral history book is just a treasure trove because they talk about that sequence. They had hired an actor turned director who hadn't done a lot of work yet to do this scene Mm -hmm. or this episode. And there was literally a screening of it where they gathered all the execs. Apparently, like, what's his name? Gary Larson. Gary Larson. It's not Gary Larson. No, it's Glenn A. Larson. Glenn A. Larson. They also brought in Gary Larson as a just as a twist. <laughs> he'd, he'd staffed dozens of producers on the show just to pay back favors. So there's like all these producers there, the studio execs. Everyone's there watching the episode. And he's looking at the screen and like there's this fire and the smoke, but no one's moving with any energy. Nothing's happening. And it's a rough cut. And you can hear the director still yelling on the audio. And the director's like, slow down. Move slower. <laughs> He's like asking them to slow down. And apparently the director's at the screening. And Gary like stands up and he's like, what asshole directed this episode <laughs> and then someone like you could hear apparently hear whispering he's like i don't give a shit if he's in the room <laughs> so, 
So is this why everything good and went in fast forward after this? Because there's a ton of fast forwarding. Apparently, yeah, this director just he didn't know how to direct television yet, and like he had no urgencies to scenes where there's like disasters happening. And I was watching him being like, they're strolling leisurely, and I noticed it. So reading this history, I'm like, oh, that's why. There's like cuts to this where the director's like, no, 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 you're moving too quickly in this emergency. Please slow down. Wow. You should be calm and prepared in an emergency. Absolutely. And actually, if it's edutainment, it's possible that they were trying to educate children on how to exit during a fire drill at their local school. Well, which the director been calm. was just doing his job then. Well, the director's an idiot. But other than that, I mean, <laughs> if we want to spin it. Anyway, they managed to rescue all 137 kids off the ship, which I was disappointed by. I thought I was hoping a couple would get left behind. Yeah, I was hoping they were going to like then cut to like like a charred remains of one kid with his like hand up holding like a oh. toy. And like, oh, that one didn't make it. Definitely didn't make it. But the last the last sort of shuttle to escape has 12 kids on it, and Troy and Dylan are piloting it, and it's it's damaged in the escape. And what we come to learn is, for whatever reason, it doesn't have enough power to catch up to Galactica, because Galactica's flying away from them, but it does have enough power to get back to Earth. Mm-hmm. And so we watch the shuttle return to Earth. They, they nearly hit this commercial airliner that's flying as they land. Yeah, what the hell was with that pilot? Like that with a no, pilot with a grudge, right? He was... He's like, damn uh, independent. They, they do it to me all the time. Yeah. He's, he's really mad. There's a lot of UFOs laying around. He blames the military for it. Because they pass this pilot, NORAD gets a blip. And they're like, oh, the aliens or these UFOs are back. We need to track them down. But that kind of sets up our episode. And they spill out onto the earth. And they've kind of got these kids. And, uh, you know, how many kids would you say? Like 10, 12 kids with them? 12 yeah, kids, 12 I think. kids, yeah. And I'd say, what, age range three years old to nine years old no old and, i would say old i would say the youngest kid looks like she's about seven that oh. one girl who's like and can you believe it i'm only a girl that one later on <laughs> yeah. that her i think she's the youngest and then they probably go as old as like 10 oh yeah. i think they're younger than that i think they're because they stand them in a line at some point and there's some very short children oh really well, children grow at different ranges so they're it's looking like a grade one to grade three that's right. what i would think All because right. one of the kids says that my baby brother like is not on that ship. It's back. She, that right. the baby brothers on Galactica. No, so that's the baby that died. It got oh, the, got, with the hand and the yeah. the rattle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uncle Owen style. And, and, like, and they walk by and they're like, "Don't don't breathe too much." And then just like, <laughs> oh. uh, so I think grade one. I think this All is right. like school. It's a school bar. Right? You're probably right. You're no probably J, right. No J K or S K in this. Now most of them don't get names, but did you catch the three that do get names? No. One's Moonbeam or something, right? One of the kids isn't to- Troy's kid. One of them? No. I thought one of the young girls calls him dad. I I, I the, didn't catch I didn't that catch on the escape pod. I think uh, I I think that kid just calls anyone dad because her mom's single and like oh nice <laughs> she's lonely. So I think Troy goes by <laughs> Troy's the blonde one. Who, <laughs> the blonde one is, pops is in every too so much? often. Is that too no, much? No, I liked it. Oh no, keep yeah. Um, once like, it's Moonbeam or something. Well, I'll give you the three names. There's Sunshine. There's Starla. And there's Moonstone. You would think that Troy and Dylan would have names like that. Or is this just one one mom who's like, I'm naming them all spacey names. Yeah. It's yeah, just the trend just in the future. Hipsters, yeah. yeah it's just a trend. Comet. Comet's in there. That was the dog. The dog yeah. was Comet. <laughs> anyway, they've got all these kids on Earth. Troy and Dylan turn to them as they all kind of get off. And they're like, all right, kids, we have to send the shuttle back into space because it doesn't have enough fuel to do anything for us. So we're going to be stranded on this planet. I'm just like, this is a lot. They're going to strand 12 children on Earth. But thankfully, they take their space bikes off. Uh, their, their, their Tron motorcycles are also on this ship. Yeah. So at least we're not losing those things. And now that they're here, they're like, all right, I guess we have to adjust to life on Earth. And Troy and Dylan are like, let's go get some supplies. And they just leave 12 
children on a new planet in the forest. And this happens a couple times this episode. They go, all right, kids, um, we'll be back. There's no way one of us could stay with you because we have to do everything together because we're weird creepers. So good luck. By the way, spoiler, don't drink any ponds. Yeah. Um, but we'll be back. Spoiler, they don't know not to tell them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Troy and Dylan take off on their bikes. They get chased by bike cops this time before, guess what? Flying away. Flying away <laughs> again. Although to your idea, Steve, how great would this have been if those two guys were from Chips? Yeah, it would be awesome. I would watch every week. That is a good That is a good thing. That's yeah. a fun thing they did in the Batman show. Yes. Yeah. Steve. They missed a trick here. I think we could have done a much better job with this show. Every time we talk about it, we've got some great ideas. Oh, hell yeah. Again, because it was, you know, they stole that 1970s stuff. Right? The yeah. original that gets you excited for the show. This, yeah, is, so. this is a small thing, but at some point during the chase, one of them says is like, let's just move up to near light speed to lose them. You can drive near light speed on these motorcycles. <laughs> Their skin's just ripping off the bones <laughs> as they go through. <laughs> the feral helmets. Yeah, that keeps that. them. Yeah. yeah. Well, because it, it has it, no wind, glass. It's the wind right. resistance helps. Anyway, what we get is to definitely my favorite scene of the episode because it's bonkers. Troy goes into a department store <laughs> and like is. meets meets a lady and basically finds a, a, a Boy Scouts sales department. And oh, by the way, she looks exactly like Nancy Reagan. That's who should have been doing this part is Nancy Reagan. And she could have been like, and kids don't do drugs. And anyway, he basically learns about the Boy Scouts and their Boy Scout manual and how it trains you to live in the woods and just buys like, she's, uh, he's like, I'll take 12 of everything. Mm-hmm. So there are Boy Scout stores. They do exist where you go and you buy the uniforms yeah. and the socks and all that. So, But I didn't know if there were actual departments within department stores. I did not buy it. Like, it's definitely possible, I think. I think at that time in the 80s, totally. You could, you could get away with it. Now, the revolving door scene, did that happen before or after? No, this is, this is, yeah, this okay. is when he gets to this department store, this revolving door scene. I had totally forgotten about it. I quite liked it in the first episode. There was a lot of like fish-out-of-water humor, like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's getting less funny for me as mm. we go on because they started jamming in. And this scene was just like, guys, you're just wasting time. And and the point of the joke is Troy goes into the door, the revolving door. He's such a moron. He can't realize how to get out. So he just spins around in a while and comes back to his own place like he's a cartoon character. And then Dylan's like, no, no, I'll show you how to do it. And the same thing happens. And they're like, you know, very like uh, silent movie characters like, can't get through it. You know, yeah. this is like oh, so I, bad. There's only one revolving door gag that's worth watching and that's the starting of perfect strangers <laughs> that is much done much better yes absolutely <laughs> they are no belky let me tell you oh. i know you hated this, that revolving door scene but now that you remind me of it i remember just being like oh i love that these people are spacemen but they're so dumb they don't know to get out at the other side of the revolving door <laughs> yeah but they can fly you know intergalactic ships and they're, they're and traveling fly... back in time yeah fly and can they can ride motorbikes at near light speed near light speed yeah Revolving door, though, that's a step too far. Yeah. Anyway, they don't have any money to pay for this stuff. So Troy has sent Dylan across the street to go to the bank, too. I guess he has some gold coins. I guess that must be the currency on Galactica. But he's going to basically exchange these gold coins for local currency. Not an entirely bad plan. In fact, he goes up to the teller and he gives her the gold. And she's like, yeah, no problem. We'll exchange this. We just need to send it to get analyzed. Do we need to see any of this? No, like, I don't. I don't care how they get money to buy stuff. It's so unimportant. And not only that, they make it a whole plot line of like he's got gold coins. Who cares? It's the best part of the episode, though. Oh. It was great. I think it's Nazi gold, actually. <laughs> oh, they, they, they yeah. brought back with them. Yeah, mm, this smart. was this guy was on the cutting edge. He was doing yeah. multi-part stories with arcs and interconnecting, mm, foreshadowing know. stuff. 
he wants her to take the gold. She's like, yeah, we have, just have to send it off to get analyzed. And she's like, can't you just analyze it here with your risk computer? And she's well, like, actually, he at first says, don't you know what gold is? Like, can't, don't you, can't you just tell that it's gold? And he's like, uh, no, we have to send off. Yeah, we got to test it. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, I'll do it. But at any rate, there, yeah, there's this whole thing where he can't get it tested right there. And he doesn't want to wait for his money. So he's just like, he demands his gold back in a very, like, uncomfortable way. Well, I think that's reasonable. Like, I would like to exchange this for money. I can't give you money. Okay, I'll take my gold back. But I think she freaks out. Doesn't, does, she, doesn't she pocket it? Yeah, she, she steals Yeah, it. she pockets it in one, and then, and then he she presses the button. Right. The silent alarm button. He's yeah. like, what are you doing with your hand? That's it. Basically, he demands it back. I think he's a little aggressive about it. So she's like, oh, is this stolen gold or something? So she, like, right. triggers a silent alarm, and he starts, like, getting very insistent. And, yeah, she immediately is like, oh, this is a robbery. Yeah. Yeah, she call he calls she calls over to the she just been looking guard. for she just been looking for a uh, robbery. She's yeah. like, it's gonna happen to me one of these days. And and, he, and he's just like, uh, what, what's going on? No, no. And she starts just stuffing a bag full of money for yeah. him, and then hands him a bag of money. And he's like, so he's just like, no, I'm not, I'm not robbing you. Please don't give me this money. He tries to give it back to her, be like, here, you take it. And then he's like, I'll return it to you. What's your address? <laughs> yeah, no, right. yeah. And she says, I'm not giving you my address. And then immediately gives him her uh, what I think is. Because they sort of flirt at the beginning. I think she is wants to get fired, wants to get half of this money, and is going to use this idiot, this blonde, pretty man, and and steal this money. She's stealing the money through him. She's well, been looking for an accomplice all this time, and she just found him. On, on this show, I wouldn't be surprised if she became a new character. Yeah. She's like, remember that bank teller? She's now also wearing a pharaoh helmet. Foreshadowing. It's all foreshadowing. Anyway, he runs out of the bank carrying two bags of money and like cops are arriving everywhere. And like he's just like, oh, no, I, 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 I robbed it. I think it, when he gets there into the store and uh, Troy looks at Dylan, and she's, he's like, what did you do? And his line is exactly he's holding his bags when he's like, I couldn't help it. It just happened. Yeah. And then he that's pay, never a good answer. He pays the old woman with just a wad of cash. Yeah. Just, and whereas the young bank teller freaked out, the old woman's like, yep, that'll do. Yeah. And just pockets <laughs> thank, the whole Thank you very wad. much. A little more fun trivia about the shooting of this episode because mm-hmm. there was a lot in this oral history about this one episode. So say we all. So say we all. When they shot the scene, the director was like, yeah, yeah, I want you to run it through traffic to get bring it back. But they hadn't blocked off the road. And they're like, don't worry, we'll just have some PAs out there stopping traffic. No big deal. So Dick Van Dyke's son runs out carrying two bags of money from this bank exterior. A cop car drives by, <laughs> jumps out, pulls their guns on him. And the like headlines in the paper next day were Dick Van Dyke's son almost arrested for like robbing oh, bank nice. for Battlestar wow. 1980. A lot of press for the thing, apparently. Everyone would be really disappointed when they saw the episode. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of build up to the show. <laughs> anyway, they've got their supplies now. They head back to the kids. It's around this point that the military is now driving around trying to find out where this UFO was. They, they, they cut past this jetliner. I guess Jamie and Mr. Brooks are like listening to the military radio or something yeah well we he, he just put a trace on it because they show up and they're like did you hear did you hear that thing about they're looking for ufos and he's, she's like yeah i'm like but mr brooks doesn't know about aliens does he uh well maybe he eventually listened to the tape from the epi- the first episode when that uh, audio guy was like there's nothing important to hear right. about here he's maybe just come around just li- yeah also everybody's a willy so they just spill their guts as soon as they're asked right. yeah. hey everybody is a willy on this yeah. show anyway the military's plan is they're going to ask boy scout troops in the area if they've seen a ufo so jamie tags along they find troy and dylan because they're now a boy scout troop the general like walks up and he's like hey 
you guys see any UFOs? And they're like, um, nope. And they're like, he's like, okie dokie. And he just drives away. It was like a conveyance to get Jamie to them? Was yeah. that what yeah. that was? Mm-hmm. That's basically what it was. We needed Jamie with them. So you understand this entire show is just a conveyance to get Jamie to them. That's all anybody yeah. ever wants. So every everything is an excuse. But Boy Scout troops at that time just were not allowed to lie. That's one of the rules of Boy Scouting troops is you just had to tell the truth. So they're a good resource for information. Now, they should have known something was up when some of the Boy Scouts were girls. I don't have personally have a problem with that. But in the United States, that's especially in the 80s. That's not how things work. In 1980, that would have been very suspicious. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, this gets Jamie to our heroes. And she's confused, obviously, because now they have 12 children. And so night comes in and they're all around the campfire talking about what exactly they're going to do with these kids on Earth. And suddenly three of the kids fall deathly ill. They like yeah. fall over and start to die. It's after we have to listen to them sing a stupid song, though. <laughs> I was like, enough of this. I don't care about the stupid Galactica song. And they basically bundle these kids up and rush them off to a hospital where, one, they discover that, well, Troy and Dylan were off on their adventures. The kids drank out of a random lake and two of the, three of them have become poisoned from that lake now. Mm-hmm. And two... There's a nurse at this hospital who's trying to help, but like she's wants a doctor to show up. So when she's kind of slightly interferes, they stun her and give her brain damage. <laughs> I do. I wrote the same thing. I, what I liked about this was we've never seen the results of freezing people because they've been freezing people left, right, and center on this show. And this is the first time we see what someone looks like when they come out. And it's scary because she doesn't know what's happening, who she is. They've clearly done some permanent brain damage on her. Yeah, she she's... It's like she's had a lobotomy. I'm like, you have ruined this woman's life. Mm. Essentially, what they discover is this lake water they drank is poisoned. They find the lake. It's full of chemicals because their little wrist things analyze it. And it's like, oh, there's chemicals here. Some rando security guard walks by. He's like, yeah, this uh, this this lake is uh, part of the uh, Stanford chemical plant. Uh, I wouldn't drink out of it, but feel free to fish. And they're, yeah, and they're like, could, yeah. yeah, and they're like, well, you should uh, just go talk to the president of this, uh, this uh, energy company. And they're like, I think we will. And then like, cut to, they're talking to him. I'm like, what just happened? Well, don't the kids have wrist things as well? Yeah, they do. So why didn't they scan the water and be like, can we drink this? Because clearly they, they were too busy jumping. But they wouldn't know what water was. They're idiots. Right? They don't know what gravity is. How would they even know what water is or a pond or like? Well, they didn't they say that they went to like quench their thirst or something? It was a very <laughs> yes. odd line yeah. about it. Say satiate their thirst yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> i was like what is happening are they in like a death metal band they're, yeah they're in a cult they're clearly a cult <laughs> well the, the kids haven't seen that commercial about not putting it in your mouth so they don't oh know. yes they that don't hadn't happened yet um but yeah they jump from this thing dylan and troy go to visit again abandoning the children who some of them sick now go to visit the president of this energy company stanford chemical plant or this chemical company and they have a conversation with him about like Hey, I think your plant is uh, leaking toxins into uh, the environment, and he's just like, "No, I don't think it is." <laughs> yeah, I like I liked him. I think he's my favorite character. I'm pretty in the sure. Episode. Pretty sure I think at some point he even says, uh, "Do I look like I'm dying?" And I thought, "You look like what the crypt keeper looked like just before he died. <laughs> like that's what that actor looked like." I'm like, "You do look terrible." It was this weird ham-fisted sort of environmental message. They had to just jam, and they're like, "Oh, we have five minutes left in this episode. What if we just... This is about environment, right?" But I liked how he was just—he wasn't having any of it. He's like, "They're like, we test the water." He's like, "Who who'd you test it with?" They're like, "Our wrists." Like, and who confirmed these tests? They're like, "We did." And he's like, "Get out of here, you morons!" We tested it on small children. They yeah. drank from the water, and they're dead now. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but what I love is they leave, and we cut to this small town police station where the president of his energy company is calling the police chief and telling the police chief get these boy scouts off my case yeah 
he doesn't want to have to shut down the plant again. So he just calls the most corrupt police official who that police chief. I mean, this is a very specific thing, but he looked to me kind of like that Star Wars character, Unkar Platt from uh, the new Star Wars movie, the one who gives out portions, quarter portions. Oh, He's yeah. This fat blob of a man, like all the side characters on this. I guess maybe this is thing for the 70s, 80s. All these character actors, they just look insane. Like they just are like such weird variations on human beings. And I love it. Like I'm just like. You're never going to mistake this person for anyone else. Right. So full disclosure, I was very tired when I watched this this morning. So I blacked out on a lot of this. When I woke up with the doctor and the nurse, that doctor looked like a veterinarian to me. It looked (laughs) like they had taken him to some like horse doctor in the woods. Well, well, the weird thing about it, though, is they know the kids are really sick. So they take them to like a walk-in clinic. They they didn't even take them to the hospital because there's no other doctors around. But they know how to do everything. So it's like, why don't they just get supplies and deal with the kids? where they are because they had such problems. It's like, we have to come to another scene. Why? Eh, just because. So that we can freeze this woman. And then what? I, the only thing I really liked about the scene, though, is that the doctor knew the nurse was acting really weird, but like just was like, I don't know. It was like, I think I would notice. If you suddenly like were missing all of your memories and everything, I'd be like, something's not right. He's just like, oh, you did a good job. And she's like, did I? She was frozen while he was talking to her. Yeah, I know. He didn't notice. She was like, like he's, 50 he's, cc's. And she just stood there. And he's like, Judy, get it together. You're freaking out. Essentially, though, the episode ends at this police station because the cops are going to go basically, I don't know, beat up these children until they keep their mouth shut about chemicals. And as they're exiting the building, one of the cops is like, hey, I looked at the Boy Scout registry. There's no Boy Scout troop registered. Like, I'm just like, I don't know how you're figuring out this Boy Scout troop doesn't exist. And Jamie's also just at the police station. Like, she's just there. It just seems like there's some scenes missing. There's some scenes missing. And the, and the police chief, as he walks out, says uh, something to her. He's just like, wants, wants this big-time TV reporter to stay out of his way. I'm like, mm, she's famous now? <laughs> yeah, she also probably doesn't have a job. For a show that puts in so many superfluous scenes, to have scenes missing that give vital information is just it's a crime. It makes no sense. Yeah. And she steps out of the police station. The cops are going off to find the Boy Scouts. She bumps into Dylan and Troy, who are driving around town on their motorbikes and she's like kind of fills them in and they're like oh no we got to get back to the kids and to be continued <laughs> one more time but if it, it finishes on like a stan lee cameo except it's not stan lee oh there's some guy watching the bikes fly off into the sunset yeah but it looked like stan lee it should have been stan lee mm. but it wasn't because he hadn't started cashing because he had passed point. away yeah because he died away already. too soon um but yeah i mean steve i have to apologize you came in to watch the end of a three-parter and the start of a two-parter. I had high hopes, like I said, when I, I got episode one. I was like, okay, this this could be good. This could be interesting. And it never was at any part. I did like Jamie. The Lois Lane act was kind of interesting. It made me really want to watch Star Trek Four. Um, yeah, let's go watch Star Trek Four. That's way better. Yeah, it made me think of better things. So I, I uh, it was good. I will say, I didn't obviously love the first sort of episode of the first three episodes like that plot line mm-hmm. but it is citizen kane compared to when these children join the show i don't think it's the drop-off is as dramatic as i would have i would have much i was like okay i was excited to watch them do weird time travel adventures every week i'm like that's fine if that's what this show is going to be let's go back to the american Revolution. let's go visit the old west let's mm-hmm. go to egypt i was like it's not gonna be great but i'm on board with that a dozen children I was beside myself. I'm just like, this is 
even worse than it could have possibly been. I still think it's that's only going to be a thing for one more episode, and I think the kids are going to be gone. I think they're going to go, oh, by the way, the ship's back, kids are off. I can't imagine this show is going to be with the 12 kids at all time. I just really, really would be surprised. I uh, got to be honest. If people are just starting to listen to your podcast, this is the thing to get on board with because it, they've been night and day. Like the first three episodes were one story in one world, and this is a completely different thing. And I have no idea. I'm I'm on with Jordan on this one. Episode what five and six? Yeah, are going to be a brand spanking. New I think thing. so. So yeah. it's this is going to be a delight. It'll just be a new TV show every time they finish a plot. Yeah, yeah and a new Doctor Z will be, and this time it'll be like a 35 year old man. But it depends. It depends how many episodes he accidentally writes. Like how many times he gets to page 60 without finishing the right. plot. And they were all. They will always be bad TV. They will yeah. never be good, but they will always be different. And that's that's good enough to listen to. Well, that's nice. <laughs> All right. Should we uh, should we rate these episodes? Yeah. It will be difficult because one and two and three blend into each other. Now, is there a specific rating system for Galactica? I would say there's not. We usually do the IMDb star ratings, like just out of 10. Okay. Out of 10, um, out of 10 microns. 10 microns. 10 willies. 10 willies. Characters, <laughs> not penises. I would say that as far as ratings go... Uh, I think you should rate it based on level of enjoyment, not necessarily level of quality. Right. Uh, that's how I, I like to think of these things. I mean, I guess you can do it however you like. Why don't I start with Jordan while you think about it? What do you think of uh, part three of Galactica Discovers Earth, Jordan? I feel like my ratings are going to be heading in one definite direction. I would give it a 5.5 out of 10. 5.5 microns. 5.5 microns. Do you have a rating? You want me to go? Um, well, I'm assuming that that direction is straight down. Yep. So just for my own edification, your episode one, episode two rating uh, was what, Jordan? What did you give episode one, episode two? I think I gave it like a seven, the first one. And then the next one, I think, was like a six. Okay. I did like the first episode. I thought it was a fun sort of, as I said, fish out of water kind of thing where there'd be like comedic situations and there's a little sci-fi thrown in. But it's I don't think that's where this show is going. Yeah, I think episode one and two definitely are better than episode three. I'll, I'll go. Let's go five. Middle of the road. I would give it five microns out of ten. <laughs> you know what? I I'm going to agree. If I'm looking at just the third part, it's so weird. It's tying up two different plots that don't really make sense to begin with, and it's not doing a great job. But I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a four. I think. Mm. Wow. And now, what about the Super Scouts Part One? So yeah, this is hard because if we're already only at a five or a four in your case, I mean, you're not giving negatives, right? That's not an option. <laughs> no one's done it before. It's not been done yet. And uh, we did watch Justice League. Oh, yes. I, I heard that episode. I couldn't even listen to that episode because the stuff you were talking about was so bad that it, it, it made me angry. I think it's still the worst thing we've seen, isn't it? Yeah, probably. I mean, the thing is, when I think back on it, I don't even think of it as a bad show. I think of it as a brain bleed <laughs> right like wow. i don't believe it happened you were you were frozen by it and just woke yeah, up yeah a galactican shot me with a freezer thing yeah. <laughs> i woke up and as i woke up the dream i had in that frozen state was justice league somebody right. told you you did a good job and you're just like did, did i did I, I did yeah. okay i did love the scene in the uh in the bank and I really, if she comes back, then just have me back for a second and I will raise this score. If that bank teller ever comes back as some sort of love interest, then <laughs> right. this will go to a seven. But for me, it's a two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half microns out of 10. Jordan? In a similar feeling, it's obviously it's getting worse, but I'm going to give it a 3.5 Nazi gold coins out of 10. <laughs> I agree with you, Steve. That bank scene makes the episode for me. I'm not sure anything else works for me. And 
I don't know what it is. I think if anytime I tune in anything that's just like looks like it's gonna have twelve children in it, I immediately want to reject it. I'm giving this a two just for the bank scene. Hold on. Wow. How many TV shows are you turning into that have twelve children in them? I don't know. That TV show about uh, Sound of Music. That TV show uh, about Twelve is enough. Twelve, 12 is, is enough. enough. Uh, twelve. What is it? Seven in heaven. What, what are these shows called? <laughs> yeah, twelve, 12 yeah. angry children. Is that um, one? What's that one where they're all orphans? Party of five. <laughs> I think there were only five of them. That's you, still you too must many. Be party yeah, of twelve. Many. Yeah, he's thinking party of twelve. Yeah, but they all had friends who came by. Full house, same thing. No. He doesn't like children. I don't want to watch a show about children. No, fair enough. I would watch twelve willies. <laughs> Again, the character. I would watch twelve bullies and willies. <laughs> twelve bullies. Just, and just, just keep hitting him, hitting him, and you're like. And it ends up being like the passion of Christ. It's just like, oh, God, how much could Willie take? Now, Willie, don't tell anyone that you're the son of God. Okay, I'm the son of God. Beat him. Beat him no, now. you're not. <laughs> Look at this cool badge my dad God gave me. No. <laughs> Beat this guy again. All right. Well, I think that about wraps up for the episode. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. It was real fun. I'm uh, I'm glad you enjoyed these episodes, even if you didn't give them good ratings. I think they were fun to watch. They were. It's an interesting show. It had much, much more potential uh, for whatever reason. I'm sure you'll tell us more about the oral history, which infuriates me. Because, uh, what's it called? Uh, the oral history, So Say We All. So Say We All. Yeah. Not, it's been written down, so it really needs a title change, but whatever. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I had a lot of fun talking to you about this. Uh, I I look forward to finishing this off, actually. Strangely enough, for how mm. bad it is, I can't wait to see where it goes next. Absolutely. All right. If you want to get a hold of us and tell us more about uh, Galactica 1980 or really anything that's on your mind, you can get a hold of us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at continuumdrag to see some clips and some images from these shows. And uh, I think that about wraps it up. So thanks for listening. And Jordan, I'll see you next week. Yeah, so say we all. Continuum Drag is recorded at Astrolab Studios in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Seedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, and Dwayne Wright. <laughs>